Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade and on this week's archive edition, we look back to 2016 when we spoke to screenwriter Alison Schroeder about the Oscar-nominated Hidden Figures based on Margot Shetley's book of the same name. This is the true story of three brilliant African-American mathematical minds who helped America win the 60s space race. I was very surprised the story hadn't been told before, but most people don't know it, myself included. I think we always knew that Katherine Johnson would be the spine of the story because hearing about John Glenn actually asking her to run the numbers was so extraordinary. This film focuses on three African-American women, three stories, three lives, those who excelled in mathematics, computing or engineering, with Taraji P. Henson as Katherine Johnson, Octavia Spencer as Dorothy Vaughan and Janelle Monet as Mary Jackson. Catherine, we all gonna end up unemployed riding around in this pile of junk. You're welcome to walk the 16 miles. Oh, sit in the back of the bus. <laughs> it kiss me up. You have identification on it? We're just on our way to work at NASA, sir. I had no idea they hired. There are quite a few women working in the space program. Hmm. With supporting roles for Kevin Costner as a NASA director, Kirsten Dunst as a supervisor, and Mahershala Ali as a military officer who captures the attention and heart of Catherine. Alison spoke to me on the phone about the background to this important film. Talking about hidden figures, um, were you surprised this story hadn't been told before? Absolutely. I was very surprised the story hadn't been told before, but most people don't know it, myself included. Even though I'd grown up at NASA and my grandmother had worked there, I'd, I'd never heard of these three women. So you had a personal connection to, to NASA. That's quite interesting. Yes, I grew up um, by Cape Canaveral, actually, in Florida. And my grandfather worked there on the Mercury prototype, and my grandmother was a programmer. And then I actually interned there for four years during high school. So NASA was very much a part of my childhood growing up, and I could bring all of that to the script, which is one of the reasons I got hired, actually, for the job. Mr. Zelensky, I'm a Negro woman. I'm not going to entertain the impossible. And I'm a Polish Jew whose parents died in a Nazi prison camp. Now I'm standing beneath a spaceship that's going to carry an astronaut to the stars. Let me ask you, if you were a white male, would you wish to be an engineer? I wouldn't have to. I'd already be one. So how did you become aware of the, of the book that um, this was based upon? 
Yeah, so um, the producer, Donna Gelati, had optioned the book proposal from the author, Margot, um, and they were looking for a writer. And she read my script. It was actually um, a script I'd written about Agatha Christie. And Donna really liked it, and so she sent me the proposal, having no idea that um, I worked at NASA when I was younger. And uh, I got on the phone with her, and I said, this is extraordinary. Please let me be a part of it. You know, I, I think I was, you know, meant to get this proposal and born to write it. And she thought, oh, Lord, Hollywood writers will say anything. But then I told her all about my math background and my time spent at NASA, and I pitched a few scenes to her, and I was hired. Um, and Margot, um, the author, was writing the books at the same time as I was writing the script. So she gave me so much of her research and her time and her, um, to help me with um, research. How did you know the Redstone couldn't support orbital flight? That's classified information. It's top secret. Well, it's no secret why the Redstone tests keep failing. Numbers don't lie. And you figured all that out with this. Half the data's redacted. Well, what's there tells a story if you read between the lines. You did the math. Yes, sir. From the, the book to your screenplay, could you talk about that process a bit? Were the three characters very prominent and obvious? Well, I just read her a book proposal, and the, the Catherine, yes, Catherine, Mary, and Dorothy were all you know big components of her book proposal, but there were also a lot of other extraordinary women, and it covered about four decades worth of history. And so trying to pick you know, who to focus on and how to narrow it down was one of the first challenges that we faced. And how did you decide? I mean, was what they did... I mean, I think we always knew that Katherine Johnson would be the spine of the story because hearing about John Glenn actually asking her to run the numbers was so extraordinary that that had to be, you know, sort of the big climax of the movie. And we also, you know, she's, she's still alive and she recently um, been given the Medal of Freedom by President Obama. And so there was just a lot more information on her than the other women. But when I read about Mary Jackson petitioning the court and Dorothy Vaughn seeing the new technology and long-age program, that just seemed so clear to me that that those were incredible moments of history that, that needed to be told about and, and great accomplishments. And I really wanted it to be a movie about female friendship and lifting each other up. And Katherine Johnson's one request was, I'll give you my life rights if this isn't a movie just about me. If you make it about the other woman I worked with, because they really, it was a team effort. And... I thought that was a beautiful thing, and it was something I really wanted to honor in writing the script, and that's how it became these three women um, intertwined. And then when I started, I actually pitched it on a many, many decades. I said, we'll start all the way, you know, World War II, we'll finish with John Glenn, but we'll have this massive epilogue, and she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, we don't have budget. Do you know how many different vintage cars I'd have to get to cover that many decades? And I sort of laughed. And so um, it was then narrowed down to take a place mainly within the time period of John Glenn's launch. There are many aspects of the film which seem original or different to what we expect. And as you touched upon there, um, yeah, I, I can't think of many films where we have three stories three strong stories all the way through the film. I mean, that was that was a really interesting choice. Thanks. I, 
it's one of my favorite things, actually, about the film. And I don't know, it was very natural in a way to do, I think, because you could keep coming back to them, either carpooling or lifting each other up, and they would sort of then go off on the next obstacle they had to face and try to overcome it and come back together. And it seems like, you know, that is actually the way we are, right? That we achieve uh, our victories with the help of others. And they remind me of my, you know, friends and, and how we tease each other and joke with each other. And um, it's actually one of my favorite things about the script. And watching those three actresses get to work together like that was extraordinary. There's no bathroom for me here. What do you mean there's no bathroom for you here? There is no bathroom. There are no colored bathrooms in this building or any building outside the West Campus, which is half a mile away. Did you know that? I have to walk to Timbuktu just to relieve myself. And I can't use one of the handy bikes. Picture that, Mr. Harrison. My uniform, skirt below my knees, my heels, and a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. Maybe talking about some of the other big themes of the film uh, and, your, and your screenplay, was NASA's approach to segregation typical of the time? What, was your, what did your research say? It was typical of the time in Hampton, Virginia. In other parts of the United States, it was much more volatile, um, specifically, you know, the South and Alabama. Um, and that was much more hostile and violent. Um, but in Hampton, this we wanted to stay true to the type of uh, civil rights movement and segregation they were having there. And so we pulled it from our research and from firsthand accounts of these women. And this was the type of racism and sexism and segregation that they were facing in their workplace um, and in town. And the, a lot of people said, well, wasn't it more violent or didn't more awful things happen? But it didn't happen to these women. And so to manufacture something like a lynching or some act of violence against them felt really untrue to them because it didn't happen to them. This was what they face in their lives. And you make a statement at the beginning uh, showing prejudice, maybe more so of them as women, uh, when the car is pulled over. So that's obviously, there's a lot of things that you wanted to do in the right way, in the right order. Right. I mean, we wanted to establish it's, it's racism, it's sexism. This is the time period we're in. And these are the relationships they have with each other and others. And one of the things that we needed to make clear for audiences, because not everybody grew up, you know, during this time period, was we needed to sort of make sure audiences knew that the enemy then was, was Russia, that we were in a Cold War, and that getting to space sort of was the greatest uh, goal at the time of the country, right? That it superseded everything else. And so when you see that police officer sort of turn and then become more amicable to them, it's because the greatest enemy was Russia. And that's what this, this is sort of about, was that everybody came together um, for a common goal. And by looking past each other's differences, they achieved something extraordinary. And that's, that's the message of the film. The problem is when the capsule moves from an elliptical orbit to a parabolic orbit. Calculate launch and landing, but without this conversion, the capsule stays in orbit. We can't bring it back home. Maybe we've been thinking about this all wrong. It could be old math. Something that looks at the problem numerically and not theoretically. Math is always dependable. 
for you it is. Obviously, a mathematician thinks in a different way. Did you enjoy working that into the script? Oh, I loved that. But I love math. So I was an economics major at Stanford as well. Um, so I did a lot of math. And it's just something I greatly enjoy. And when I was, you know, first graduated from film school and, and broke and trying to make it, I was a math tutor. So I spent a lot of time trying to teach people um, math and make it digestible. So getting to actually make a movie about it was incredibly fun for me. And I was relieved to know that the opening scene with the little girl when she um, does the factoring, that I can I can still do that math. That I could have solved. The rest of it uh, is out of, my, out of my league. So luckily we had um, NASA historians and actual mathematicians on set helping with the formulas. Uh, on the on the chalkboard, but it was really I could still I suppose as well. That's one of the other incredible things is to to think of think of a time before computers and um, that idea that everything was done in the head. I, 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 you know, the word computer itself, you know, the definition of it, I, I found quite fascinating. It is. I mean, we forget that there weren't all these machines and. At first, people think, oh, well, isn't that slightly offensive to call these women computers? But that was their actual classification at NASA. That's just, you know, they were computing things. And so it is It is amazing to think that now we just type into a calculator, cosine or sine, and switch it out for us. But back then, they were using charts and memorization and doing so much of it in their head. I mean, it's just, we take a lot for granted now how far we've come. But watching the film, I think it reminds us that so much of this was invented uh, math for the space race. Hampton High School is a white school, Mrs. Jackson. Yes, Your Honor, I'm aware of that. Virginia, still a segregated state. Your Honor, you of all people should understand the importance of being first. How's that, Mrs. Jackson? Well, you were the first in your family to serve in the armed forces, U.S. Navy, the first to attend university. What's the point? I plan on being an engineer at NASA, but I can't do that without taking them classes at that all-white high school. And I can't change the color of my skin. So I have no choice but to be the first, which I can't do without you, sir. Your Honor, out of all the cases you're gonna hear today, which one is gonna matter 100 years from now? Which one is gonna make you the first? And, and lastly, the, the film has had many, many awards already and will have many more. Um, what, what do you think everyone apart from yourself got right? What do you, how do you think they took what, what you'd been working on and made it such a strong film? How much time do you have? Um, the director, Ted Melfi, came on board and he really um, was incredibly passionate about the story and, and, and kept the sense of humor in moments and amped it up and really, you know, leaned into the romance of it all and, and our budget increased so we got to actually show John Glenn in space and I was just here. So that was all wonderful in the scenes of the visuals of the women marching and... Um, you know, running, I think, are all great. And the costume designer, I think, keeping them so beautiful and so smart and so fashionable also bucks the stereotype of what a scientist looks like. Um, and I think they look incredible. And uh, Wynn Thomas, the production designer, if you just look at the sort of run-down bathroom in the colored um, section versus sort of the warmly lit, beautiful one in the white section that ultimately... Well, I don't want to ruin it if no one's seen it, but you feel the difference. You can you feel it as an audience, 
just how much they were left out. And I think that's pretty incredible. And then, of course, the cast, right? I mean, Taraji, Octavia, Janelle were magic together. And it was so fun on set to watch them do sometimes a rather serious scene. And then as soon as cut was called, they'd sort of laugh and high-five each other. And Octavia even talked about the fact that it was hard for her sometimes because a woman in the six, a black woman in the 60s had to watch what she said and had to really hold herself back and that, um, you know, she's a modern woman with agency now and that's not something she has to do. And it was sort of fun to see that transformation um, and sort of when they would have a really hard scene and cut was called that, you know, we could go back to where we are today and they could sort of laugh and rule the set and uh, have their agency. And then Kevin Costner was, of course, brilliant. Jim Parsons, Kirsten Dunst. I mean, it was... It was a very magical cast working together. The goal point for re-entry is 2,990 miles from where we want Colonel Glenn to land. If we assume that's the Bahamas, 544 miles per hour of 46.56 degrees, 2,990 miles. Okay. So that puts your landing zone at 5.0667 degrees north, 77.3333 degrees west, which is here. Give or take 20 square miles. I like your numbers. Thanks to Alison for giving us some fascinating insight into the stories and lives behind hidden figures. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. Here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and themed series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on ACAR, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.